church this morning. I'm just hoping if we can have a bit of a of a family talk together. Uh, next weekend, we'll be starting a new series called Retro Soul that will run uh, the course of the summer, and we'll be uh, looking at some key moments in the Old Testament. So that'll be a really good time uh, in God's Word this summer. Uh, this morning, um, I just wanted to... Uh, just share a little bit of my heart from, from God's word, some things that started with me, uh, just me and my own time uh, with the Lord, and uh, about a month, month and a half ago. And it's continued to, to snowball and uh, feel like this is a moment where we should just kind of rally up and talk about this today together. Uh, so if you're here in this room or you're maybe watching online somewhere, uh, consider yourself family, whether you are here or not, or that you're visiting with us first time or not. What I think uh, God has for us is huge. And, and I don't want to miss what, what God's up to. When, when we've got these busy, crazy lives, I think it's so easy to miss uh, what God has for us. It's easy to miss Jesus for all of the things vying for your attention, uh, individually, as a family, at work, even, even at church. It, it could be easy for us to miss Jesus for all of the religious activity, all of the programmatic stuff that's going on, all of the things that we want to accomplish even for God. I think it's really easy to get caught up in the activity of it and really just miss the heart of, of Jesus. And so um, a little time in God word, uh, God's word today just to check our hearts draw us back to what he wants us to hear, I think is key for us today. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of Luke and go to chapter 22, which is at the end of this book of Luke, Luke's account of the, the gospel, uh, the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Luke chapter 22, uh, go to verse eight, uh, seven and eight. Take a look. Luke says, then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. And so just framing up a little bit of the context of where we're headed this morning. Uh, this is a moment that uh, the disciples would have been very familiar with, Passover. It, it had been celebrated for centuries Passover was this celebration, this feast, this festival that celebrated the moment where God had, had rescued the uh, Israelites from slavery in Egypt and took them to the promised land. And as a way to remember that very powerful moment where they had been bondage and slaves and then brought into freedom, uh, they, they enact Passover. And uh, for years and years and years and years, they've been celebrating this. And for, for all of this activity year after year after year, it was meant to point to a moment in the past where God had shown up and did his thing, but it was also a picture of the future. It was also a picture of the, the Messiah uh, that had been promised in the Old Testament, this savior, this rescue that, that was to come. And so here Jesus, right in the midst of the celebration, says, hey, uh, this is the day where we are supposed to sacrifice the Passover lamb. And if the disciples were paying attention, they would have connected some dots. 
uh, they, they would have kind of understood, okay, like Jesus is on the move here. God's up to something. This isn't just a religious activity. This isn't just a celebration. It's not just a meal. It's kind of a nice little tradition. This was meant to remind us of something in the past and point us towards something in the future. And if you skip down a couple more verses to verse uh, 14, then they do. They go, they go have the meal. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. There it is. He's taking this commonplace religious activity that they were very familiar with and now is just saying, hey, wait a minute. Uh, This is going to be the last time that I'm going to partake of this Passover meal until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Uh, there's, There's something in Revelation that's called the marriage supper of the lamb. And it's a, it's a moment I'm, I'm looking forward to, but it's a moment where uh, the full kingdom of God is going to hit us in all its glory. Uh, the second coming of Christ, ushering in the full scope of the kingdom of God. I mean, that's going to be something to really celebrate. And at that time, then we're going to all share a pretty sweet Passover meal together, but in the presence of God with all of God's people. And finally, we'll be able to go, oh, here's the fulfillment. All the, all the stuff that we'd learned about and heard about and where they celebrated Passover, they're about to go into the last supper, this communion together that that you and I have taken part of as a remembrance of what Jesus did for us. But then someday, the next time Jesus is going to take Pardon this meal. It's going to be after the full scope of the kingdom is unveiled. Right now in this moment in history that Luke records, God was on the move. And if they were paying attention, they they would have caught that. But here's, here's what I know wholeheartedly. Any single time that God is on the move, the enemy is also going to be on the move. The enemy cannot stand what, what God was up to in this moment. A God cannot, uh, you know, the enemy cannot stand when you are faced with uh, big steps forward in your walk with Christ. The enemy can't stand when there's new ground for his kingdom taken in your own heart, in your own family. The enemy can't stand when there's new ground taken in his church or his community or this nation or acro- across the globe. And so anytime God's stirring us up, you can, you can rest assured that the enemy will come. And in this particular case, if you continue to read down, this is what the enemy has in store. Skip down to verse 31 and 32. Jesus had just explained that one of the disciples is going to betray him, calls out that it's Judas, And then Judas gets up and leaves to go do what he thinks he needs to do. 
And then he turns to Simon and the rest of the disciples, Simon Peter and the rest of the disciples and says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. And so we're going to linger here for just a little bit. A month or two ago, the Lord brought me to this passage, brought this passage to mind as I'd watched a couple friends um, in vocational ministry elsewhere just go down the toilet. And I've seen that happen in a lot of friends' lives, whether they're in vocational ministry or not, you have too. And so we know stories of where the enemy's at work and where he's sifting people uh, that, that are followers of Jesus out of the equation if he can. But as you take a look at this, if you go back to verse 31 and 2, um, look at this. We're going to linger here for just a minute. Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all as wheat. All of you. That's plural. But I have prayed for you, that's singular in the Greek, Simon, that your singular faith may not fail. And when you, singular, have turned back, strengthen your brothers. So the sense here is uh, Satan's desire is to sift all y'all, all the disciples, uh, but, but Simon, here, here's something. I, I, I need to put this on your radar. He, he wants to sift you. Uh, and, and I know that he wants to sift all of us here as well. But what does it mean to sift or be sifted? And to kind of get to the heart of it, I think it's key to slow down for just a minute. I, I'm not much of a chef or a cook or a farmer. And uh, it wouldn't really matter anyway, because the sifting here, we go to Jesus's day, what the sifting was really about. And essentially what's taking place, they would, they would go out into the wheat fields, they would cut down these big sheaves of wheat, and then they would bring it into a place called the threshing floor. And they would lay it all down, and then they would allow oxen to walk back and forth across the, the, the sheaves of grain that were laid there. And it would effectively crush all of that grain underfoot. And as those sheaves were crushed, it would break apart the stalk from the grain and pull apart the husk from the grain. And the good part of the grain would get separated from the bad part of the grain. It would, it would turn into a mixture of some stuff that you, you could use and some stuff that you couldn't. And then the farmers, they would come in with kind of pitchfork-like utensils. They would scoop it up and continue to break apart the bad from the good. Eventually, they would kind of shovel it up in the air. They would throw a pile of this mulch up in the air. And the useless part was called chaff. And the wind, when they would throw it up in the air, would blow the useless stuff away. And the useful seed would land heavy in a pile below. And and so it was a refining process, sifting was. 
It was a refining process where it would be crushed and and, and separated and, and torn apart, but then refined so that you could get good wheat from bad grain. And what you had there then was this amazing process where, where essentially the, the, the seed that was left could be used for future harvest. Now, you take a look at that for your own life. And I don't know if you've had one or hundreds, but I can guarantee you everybody in here has been through some sort of season or process that you did not like, that you did not choose. It was a trial. It was a challenge. It was a temptation. It was a struggle. It was a hardship. It was a, it was a loss. And, and it was a, a, a trial that brought brokenness to you. God's heart in that sifting process is that it wouldn't just stay broken, but it would lead to a refining That, yeah, there's a crushing, there's the challenge, there's the breaking apart and the separating that is quite painful. None of us like, none of us enjoy, none of us would choose. But the real sifting brings about a refinement. It brings about something amazing on the other side as the junk of our life comes to the surface, gets peeled off, and then chucked out to the wind. Get rid of that stuff. And Lord, leave the good, leave the good seed that can be used for the harvest in your kingdom, in my heart, in my life. We we don't need to get into the details, but this, you you know already, as leadership here, we're, we're constantly being sifted. This was the last year plus for me where I felt way more like I was on the threshing floor than anywhere else. And it's a season that I, I did not enjoy. I would not have chosen. And yet, uh, about halfway through, I could see the things that needed to go in my life the Lord was bringing to the surface and then at least giving me the opportunity to put before him that he might remove it. The wind might carry it away. And then begin to, to, to really take the good seed of what he was wanting to do and kind of make that flourish in a, a lot better fashion. You look around our, our, our church and our community, and are there not tons of people that you just see being sifted, just raked over the coals, it's a loss. It's this thing in the family. It's this thing at work. It's these tough relationships. I get burdened when I walk in the room and just know the full scope of what you all are, are dealing with on a, on a daily basis. Peter, he, he's being sifted right here. The, 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 the Lord is putting it on his radar and then is he going to uh, be incredibly successful in the next 24 hours for the name of Jesus? No. Jesus knows that. He knows he's going to deny even knowing him. 
And yet, what a challenging experience to be uh, linked with Jesus right at crunch time here. What a challenging experience then to even have the sense that you, you didn't come through for your friend when he needed you to. There's, there's some, some faltering here on Peter's part. But as he goes through that, I believe in the next several hours, there's a sifting of a good sort that comes on Peter's life where uh, some significant pride and arrogance got broken off, torn apart from his core, and then blown to the wind. And I got to tell you, if you want to be of use in the kingdom of God, then one of the first things that must go is pride and arrogance. And for Peter to, to have a back upon which God was going to build his church, there was some pride that needed to go. This thought here, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. Other translations say Satan's asked permission to sift you as wheat. That's, that's such an odd thing. Satan has to ask God permission to mess with you? Yep. At least sometimes the Bible isn't definitive that every single time the enemy wants to monkey with you, he's got to ask God permission. But at least sometimes it appears that God and Satan are having some sort of conversation. There is a, a higher power, and it's not Satan. And so he's got to go to God on some occasions. In this occasion, he did. You look at the book of Job, he did. There, there appears to be, at some moments in time, there are some people, for some seasons, for certain reasons that God has a particular hedge of uh, blessing, of protection. Uh, there's something in particular that he's doing with them and has in mind for them. And as long as that favor of God, that protection of God, you look at Job's life, is there. Satan comes and says, I notice you got this guy Job and he seems pretty amazing and you got this protection of blessing around him. And... I can't seem to get to him with that protection of blessing. And so would you remove that protection of blessing, which is basically another way of saying, can I attack him? I can't attack him if the protection of blessing is there. And so there's these moments in, in your life where you have this blessing, this protection, this hand of favor of God on you. And if that is the case, there is nothing that the enemy can do to break through that because Jesus is standing up for you. He has got you. But any of you that are thinking just a little bit ahead, you, you, you also start thinking through the implications of this and you go, wait a minute. Yeah, but why then would he allow? Why then would he allow Sifting. Why would he temporarily pull back the protection or the. Why, why would he allow sifting? We'll bring it back to what sifting was really about. 
Sifting was actually a good thing, right? You don't get good wheat that is usable unless it goes through this sifting process. And so God allows it because his picture of sifting is a refining one. It is, yes, it's got to unfortunately start with some crushing and some breaking and some tearing and some separating. But let God do his full work and he takes the junk that comes to the surface in those moments. And if we allow it, then he blows that to the wind and you are left with something so much better than you had before. Is it good? Is it easy? Uh, -uh. it's not a pleasant experience to get through, but it is good. It is important. It is key. But the sifting that Satan has in mind is just the crushing part. It's just the breaking part. It's just the separating and the tearing part. The enemy has come to steal and kill and destroy. And so the sifting that the enemy has in mind is, let's just get you to the threshing room floor and that's it for you. That's where he wants most of us. And that's where he wanted the disciples. But then look at what Jesus says. But I have prayed for you, Simon. Huh? I've prayed for you. How many of you have prayed to Jesus at some point in the last uh, 24 hours? Okay, okay, good. How many of you were fully aware that Jesus has been praying for you nonstop in the last 24 hours. He's interceding for you constantly. Yes, we, we pray to him, but did you know he's praying for you? He's interceding for you. He was interceding for Peter then. He's interceding for us right now. And when, when Jesus intercedes for you, then there's nothing that the enemy can do to break your faith. This right here. I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Uh, your, your obedience may fail. Your heart might fail. Uh, some of your courage may fail. Your, your strength may fail. But your faith ain't going to fail, Pete. Why? Because Jesus... Because Jesus, because Jesus intercedes for his people. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. Therefore, it didn't fail. Not rocket science, but that's the coolest thing ever and deserves a right on or an amen or a woohoo or something. Um, and I love this because this... What's he going to do pretty soon? He's going to deny even knowing Jesus, right? That, that was not uh, from the Lord's perspective. That was not a failure of faith. Which is huge, you guys. If denying even knowing Jesus... Right at crunch time, when you had that close of a relationship with him, 
Jesus considers more a faltering of your faith than a failure of your faith, then you need to rethink the moments in your life where you thought you failed. Maybe you just faltered. And that is so key. That's, that's where the Lord has just been whispering encouragement and promises to me over and over again for the last month and a half. There's a huge difference between faltering faith and a failure of faith. And so if you, if you want to know maybe what a failure of faith is, a failure, complete failure of faith would be to falter in your faith and then never get back up. Never come to see the grace that Jesus has freely given you. That's a real failure of faith. As a friend of mine says, it's, it's the reality that God cares so much more about your next step than your last step. When you've faltered, when you've been crushed, you've been hammered, you've been pulled apart, there's been a moment. And Jesus is always ready, willing, and able to help you stand back up. Jesus stood up for you so that he could help you stand back up time and time again. And Jesus speaks amazing life into Peter's future. He says, and when you have turned back, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith will not fail. And then uh, when you've turned back, speaking hope and life into the future, what's possible into his future. Then he says, go strengthen your brothers. Go strengthen them. Uh, you've got purpose still. Not just uh, you can turn around, you can repent. You can stand back up and be in a relationship with me, but you're going to sit the bench now for the rest of your life. Your, your faltering in your faith shows me that you really just don't have what it takes to play in the game. That's not what he says. He says, when you've turned, when you've repented, when you've stood back up, then here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to go strengthen the brothers. There's a purpose for you. Some of the people that have impacted me the most, some of the believers, the followers of Jesus that impacted me the most are not the ones who have never failed. The ones that have impacted me so deeply are the ones that have faltered in their faith and recognize that Jesus still stands up for them and pulls them up. And they've continued on their journey. And then they live their life now. Okay, the Lord helped me stand up. Now by God's grace and the power of his spirit, I'm going to help whoever else I can stand up. That's the church. It, it appears as if right here, it appears, it, it's, it's not explicit, but it appears that, that Jesus, in light of the sifting that the enemy wanted to do to all the disciples, it appears that Jesus prayed for the strengthening of Peter's faith, but not the others. But... 
even if that's the case, by what Jesus encourages and directs and commands, Jesus provides for the strengthening of the others as well through Peter. He provides directly for the strengthening through prayer for Peter. And he provides indirectly for the strengthening of the others through Peter. Do not minimize what God can and will and already has done through your encouraging voice in someone else's life. Especially in moments where their faith is faltering. Remind them that Jesus is standing up for them in that very moment. Remind them that they've got a purpose. We all need to be strengthened. There's a spiritual battle going on that we cannot necessarily see or touch. But it's going on nonetheless. And so we need our Jesus stepping in for us, interceding for us, contending for us, fighting for us, fueling us, strengthening us, forgiving us, cleansing us, freeing us pointing us in the right direction, giving us the right words at the right time for our brothers and sisters that need it desperately. Now, what I think is so huge here is it's really easy. It's easy to hear the words of God. And for some reason, especially depending on how you're wired, it's easy to uh, hear only the negative parts of what God's saying to us really to the expense of the positive. He lays out some things to us sometimes in his word that when we come to it, a lot of us come with the filter, the lens on seeing just the negative and the downside and not the upside. And I would just encourage you to push past that because I think the enemy is in that. And by by that, I mean this. Take, Take a look at this again with some stuff highlighted. We could read this negatively. Simon, Simon, uh, Satan has asked to sift all of you. Wait, what? Satan's asked to, to mess with all of us. He's asked to crush all of us. He wants to break all of us. Are you kidding? And, and you're going to allow him? God, how could you allow him to crush us in this manner. Why would you allow the enemy to sift us? But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. You've got faith. It's going to fail if I don't do something because you're a loser. You're horrible. So I'm stepping in. Some of that's true, actually, but, but he's... <laughs> You're you're just a failure. That's all you're ever going to be is a failure. When you have turned back, wait, I have to turn back? I'm turning away from you is what you're telling me? Are you kidding me? I need to go strengthen. Why do we need strength? We can can latch on to all the negative, flip it the opposite direction, the positive. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked, wait, 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 what? Satan has to ask permission? To do stuff to me sometimes? Yeah. Whoa, that's cool. You got a daddy. You got a big brother who's standing up for you. And no one can take him down. 
He's asked to sift you all this week, but I have prayed for you. Wait, what? Jesus, you've been praying for me? You intercede for me? You stand up for me? Mm -hmm. That your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, what? I'm going to turn back? I'm going to falter, but I'm going to turn back? Yeah. And you can still use me to help other people? Yes. Hear Jesus standing up for you today saying, the enemy wants to sift you. Depending on the circumstances and what I need to do in your life, some sifting may take place. But I'm constantly interceding for you. I'm standing up for you so that your faith may not fail. It may falter. But in that process, I'm, I'm sifting some junk out and bringing the good to the surface if you'll let me. And when you have turned, when you've repented, when you've grown, when you've been empowered, then I got something special for you. It's being who you were really created to be. At home, at church, in this community, wherever I send you. And I'll be standing up for you every single step of the way. And so, Father, this morning, would you please, please, God, just encourage our hearts. Would you encourage those who are here today and would say that they've just been faltering. There's, there's been the stumble. There's, there's been trials that have brought their faith in you into question. Maybe there's been sinful choices that they've been making that have brought consequences to their life or lives of people around them. Father, right now, would you speak life to them and love to them and forgiveness to them? Would you let them know that regardless of their last step, that their next step can be to stand up under your strength. It can be a step toward you, Jesus. We thank you so much for that ability. Keep interceding for us. Keep the enemy far away from us. Wash our past away. Blow to the wind the junk in us. Renew, refresh, inspire the purpose for which we were created, God, for your glory's sake. In Jesus' name, amen.